need to wear wear the microphone. But um, if you're having trouble hearing, just just wave at me. I'll try to speak louder. But um, thankful thankful for this class. Thank the Lord um, that um, He's given me this opportunity, and also you guys have been been so encouraging. Um, seems to have been a helpful. Um, series and uh, looking forward to getting into more of the specific sins that that Jerry Bridges um, talks about in his book. Um, just to review where we have been, uh, so you can see this this week we'll be talking about ungodliness and unthankfulness. We'll spend most of our time on the topic of ungodliness since uh, Tim spent several weeks. Um, teaching on thankfulness, and so we'll we'll refer back to that briefly. But uh, for the most part, uh, we'll be focusing on ungodliness, uh, what what that is, and how we can identify that in our lives. Um, session one, uh, two weeks ago, we um, were facing up to the truth in in three areas. Number one, our identity as saints, uh, we are the redeemed. Uh, Christ has um, saved us. Um, by his, his death and uh, paying the penalty for our sins. We are saints. Uh, that's all of our sins, past, present, and future. Um, but we are saints that, that still sin. And that is, is our identity. We also faced up to the truth about the disappearance of sin in our culture. Um, people don't talk about sin um, they redefine sin, but we uh, as believers must define sin biblically and not adopt the mindset of our culture that has totally erased this concept um, from our collective conscience. And then lastly, we faced up to the truth about the malignancy of sin. Um, sin is a heinous despising of God and his holy standard, and um, sin in the Lives of believers is destructive, and we said that um, the the way we see that is is in the suffering and death of Christ as the the payment for sins. Uh, the sinless one, the perfect one, uh, suffered for our sins, and that is just a picture of of uh, the malignancy of sin, the damage that it does. And then last week uh, we looked at the remedy for sin. Um, the gospel is the remedy for sin. And Jerry Bridges described it this way. When we talk about the gospel or when he uses the term gospel, this is what he's talking about. The remedy for our sin, whether scandalous or acceptable, is the gospel in its widest scope. The gospel is actually a message. Here I am using the word gospel as a shorthand expression for the entire work of Christ in his historic death or his historic life death and resurrection for us and his present work in us through his Holy Spirit. When I say the gospel in its widest scope, I am referring to the fact that Christ in his work for us and in us saves us not only from the penalty of sin, but also from its dominion or reigning power in our lives. We also um, talked about the Holy Spirit empowering us to live a life of holiness and empowering us to overcome sin. That is the hope we have, um, not that we've been left to ourselves, but Christ has given us his very spirit 
Um, and this breaks the power of sin. This gives us the hope that we can put to death the deeds of the flesh. And then we uh, went over um, directions for uh, dealing with our sin. And those uh, directions for dealing with sin were the application of the gospel. We know our sins are forgiven in Christ, and we have his perfect record of righteousness before God. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. Um, It's only by his power that we're putting to death the sin in our lives. We can never fall back into the default setting of the flesh, which is self-atonement. And our own fleshly willpower that has no power to uh, kill sin. We also talked about owning our responsibility for sin, pursuing every practical means to put sin to death. Uh, Bridges coined this 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 phrase, "dependent responsibility," totally dependent on uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, dependent upon the gospel. And yet responsible. God has given us commands to follow, and uh, we are obligated uh, to um, obey. And so that's our responsibility. We talked about identifying specific respectable sins, and so we'll begin to do that in today's session. We'll go back and we'll look through um, uh, the sins of ungodliness and unthankfulness, how we can recognize those in our lives and, and what we can do about it. We also talked about uh, memorizing and applying appropriate scriptures. We want to store God's word up in our heart so that it can be recalled when temptation comes. Um, That's Psalm 119.11. Also, uh, we need to cultivate the practice of dependent prayer. That's planned prayer. regular prayer, uh, times you set aside, and then spontaneous prayer in the, in the moment of temptation, crying out to God to help you um, by his spirit. And then lastly, another direction for dealing with sin was involving uh, the church, our Christian uh, brothers and sisters who are ready to help. That is what believers do. Um, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 um, tell us our responsibility to to go to those who are caught in in sin and and help with the uh, hope of the gospel and so that brings us to where we are this week we're going to be uh, starting to look at specific um, respectable sins just a word to those of you who might be following along in bridges book um, not the small group discussion guide but the the book as it was originally published And you'll notice that it follows a different order um, in covering the list of sins. So don't want you to be like disoriented. Well, hey, wait a minute. This this isn't the next one in line. And these uh, do not go in order as far as um, how they were laid out in the original book. So it's just, I guess, what they thought was a better grouping for the discussion guide. It's more in a more systematic way for, for teaching. And so I just wanted to clear up any confusion there. I think these uh, respectable sins that we're covering this week were chapters 7 and and 10 in the the original printing. Um, And if you're wondering what's going to be covered next, you can 
email me or, or talk to me after and I can tell you if you want to read ahead and kind of um, see what's what's coming. So we're going to talk about ungodliness, uh, the respectable sin of ungodliness. And I call this the ground that grows all kinds of sin. And that's taken directly from, from Bridges. Um, Bridges says this, When I talk about specific areas of acceptable sins, one comment I often hear is that pride is the root cause of all of them. While I agree that pride does play a major role in the development and expression of our subtle sins, I believe there is another sin that is even more basic, more widespread, and more apt to be the root cause of our other sins, and that is the sin of ungodliness, of which we are all guilty to some degree. So uh, Bridges is making this statement that all Christians are ungodly in some respects. And throughout the remainder of, of the chapter, he makes a biblical case for this um, assertion. Um, and that might strike you as, uh, might take, take you aback a little bit. Um, we think of ungodliness as, as those people out in the world, the you know, LGBTQ community, or uh, you know, the fraudsters on Wall Street. Those are ungodly people, or the, the politicians in Washington, or... It's, it's out there. Those are the ungodly people. We're Christians. We're, we're not ungodly. And I think maybe part of the confusion is we, we often confuse biblical terms. And ungodliness is um, sometimes confused with unrighteousness. We kind of think that those are synonymous, but they're, they're not the same thing. Turn to uh, Romans one eighteen. Romans one eighteen. Romans one eighteen says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the, the terms are side by side, but, but they're not synonymous. Paul draws a distinction, and Bridges puts it this way. Ungodliness describes a sinful attitude towards God. Unrighteousness refers to sinful actions in thought, word, and deed. So ungodliness is an attitude. It's impiety or a lack of reverence for God that grows out of a distorted view of his character. It has um, a vertical orientation, is what the, the Greek lexicon says. Um, ungodliness is, is an attitude that man has towards God. It's vertical. Whereas unrighteousness has a more horizontal uh, essence. It's, it's our, our sins uh, in word, action, thought. It's spilled out onto to people around us. We know that all sin ultimately is, uh, or primarily is, is before God and towards God, but um, just think of it that way. Ungodliness, that vertical attitude of impiety towards God, unrighteousness, more of the, the sins that are, are horizontal 
in their relation to, to other people in our world. Bridges uh, defines it this way. Ungodliness may be defined as living one's everyday life with little or no thought of God, or of God's will, or of God's glory, or of one's dependence on God. So it's a kind of uh, practical atheism. Whatever we may say that we believe about God, if we go through our week with barely a thought of him, or of how we are relating to him, then we are living as if he doesn't exist. This is ungodly living at its core. It's a forgetfulness of God. I don't know if uh, word pictures are are helpful to you, but um, this this picture uh, kept coming to mind as I was was studying this, and um, this is not my own. This is one of my seminary professors included this, this picture in his class notes on biblical counseling and uh, found it to be just, just a helpful reminder that often uh, it's root sins that need to be addressed um, in the fight against overt sins. So in the picture you can see there's, there's fruit on the tree. That would be the bad fruit of sin. That's overt. That's what's seen. Um, it might be manifesting itself in, in anger, outbursts, you know, towards your children, towards your wife, uh, lust, um, any lying, any, any number of things could be manifesting themselves as, as this bad fruit. But below the surface, we have other root sins that are, are in play. And I would say this, this soil of unbelief, you could put ungodliness there. It's you're believing lies about God's character and you're doubting God's word what he says about himself so that's why i say this is the soil out of which grows all kinds of other sins it's a soil of of ungodliness and then from that once we've dethroned god god does not have his rightful place in our thoughts we are not submitting to him as god he is dethroned then we put self in its place so every man does what is right in his own eyes it's the tap root of pride and that's a little bit small you in the back may not be able to see it but just self-exaltation self-protection, self-pity self-indulgence self-absorption, self-trust self-atonement and so from that what the professor called the tap root of pride then the tree, the tree grows and it has all kinds of, of bad fruit so that may be a helpful way just to understand what Bridges is saying. This is, this is foundational. And, and from this ungodliness springs all kinds of, of other sins. Let's look at the rest of uh, Romans chapter 1. We're going to see how this progression plays out. It starts with the ungodliness of, of chapter 18. And let's just read, read the rest of the, the progression. We'll start back in 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power 
and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, because they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So you can see the ungodliness playing out there. They're denying God, they're denying his character, denying his his attributes, his power. Um, It's an ungodly attitude. In verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. They're not even grasping this, this fundamental truth about who God is. And as a result, 23, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This elevation of self, as we, as we talked about. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, again, ungodliness, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So you can see what starts out as ungodliness, how that is is the fertile soil that then gives gives uh, gives growth to all these other kinds of sin, all the bad fruit we see. So we know that this is a description of the wrath of God towards unbelievers. Um, so you may say, well, yeah, Paul, that that's that's good, but this is talking about unbelievers. We're we're saints, remember. But yes, we are we are saints, but we are saints who still sin. And we are commanded to continue to put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. So every believer is still ungodly in in some respects. So uh, now that you know what um, ungodliness is, or you've been refreshed in your your understanding of of ungodliness, what are some areas where believers may be deceived and fall into patterns of ungodliness? What do you think? Anything come to mind? 
Yes. Like you mentioned before, just forgetfulness, just living life, going about your day-to-day life, going to work, et cetera, without God even coming into your mind. Yes, sir. Entertainment. Yep. Explain that. Yep, there's underlying philosophy in, in the entertainment we consume. So we have to be discerning um, that we're um, um, consuming things that are true, not, not being deceived. Any other areas you can think of, Jed? I think for believers, potentially, um, as we, we seek to, to grow in our likeness of Christ, uh, the sin of comparison mm-hmm. can, can be very... Um, deceitful and it can be very quickly um, grabbing of us so where we look at so and so doing certain things mm-hmm. thinking I have to do that or I should be doing that while those may be good things mm-hmm. strict comparison I think maybe uh, brew jealousy where just observing those gifts and the way that God has measured out different people with different gifts yep. would produce thankfulness instead of jealousy so right. in our striving to uh make much of Christ, I think comparison can certainly lead to sin yeah. and ungodliness. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Becky? I was going to say, like, failure to be in the Word, you mm-hmm. know, because if you are always making excuses or you never have enough time to set yourself for the day, you know, with doing that, then you ultimately fall into a pattern of yeah. just thinking more worldly mm-hmm. and, and not thinking of God. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Came, came to mind in just with me this week, just studying it. Yeah. Paul, yes. Maybe one example of that kind of worldly thinking that comes to my mind is just if you maybe it could be like a, a positive and negative. Um, on the on the positive side, if something good happens to you, like Tim was saying a few weeks ago, you could think, well, it just happened. I'm I'm, thank, I'm glad about it, but don't think you thankful of the Lord. On the negative side, if you have a, a circumstance that's not pleasant, mm. the temptation could be think could be to think, well, oh, it's just my this is exactly my luck, like oh, just my luck. This mm. is always happening. Yeah, and that's not that's a very ungodly. Yeah. Really it's an atheistic right attitude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any others? Well, I'll just mention fear as well. Mm-hmm. Here is once again another atheistic yeah. practice. I think that even Christians participate in. I was just one of our professors. I'm sure you've heard this as well. Just over and over again, says that fear makes you, or sinful fear makes you a coward. When God has not called us to that, yeah, us to live in freedom, yeah, to be fearless mm. because of what Christ has done, and right, His protection. So. That would just be another one that I think almost daily for me kind of come to the surface. Yep. Living as though God is not in dominion. Yeah. Not sovereign over all of us. Hmm. That's good. Paul, just um, kind of piggybacking off what was said earlier, I think social media is so pervasive. So I think it's just a really practical level because it's really sold on putting yourself out there. Hmm. Um, and so we're taught 
in so many ways that unless you're putting yourself out there constantly or in this fashion, then who really are you? Uh, whereas, you know, we can get sucked into that pretty easily mm -hmm. instead of finding our identity primarily in Christ. Yeah. Um, so definitely something to be cautious of in my own heart. Definitely. Yeah, if you want a good resource on that, um, Tim Challies wrote an art, wrote an article called um, "Respectable Sins of Something to Do with Social Media," "Respectable Sins of the Social Media Age," or something to that effect. But it's kind of springboards off of you know Jerry Bridges' book on respectable sins. But he he listed out a whole list of respectable sins that Christians may be committing as they engage with social media and, and not even realizing it. So that's a really helpful resource if you're on social media or that's something you struggle with of, you know, saying things you shouldn't say or getting, you know, anxious or, or fearful or angry as you interact with social media. That would be a good resource just to look it up online and uh, just read through those, those respectable sins of, of the social media age. Um, Christians uh, tend to fall into. I'm sure we could go all day because, as we said, ungodliness is is a foundational. It's it's kind of the the soil that all other sins grow out of, and so we could continue to name sins. But I want to just spend some time um, today looking at specific areas the Bible speaks to. Uh, so uh, you can turn in your Bibles to James four. Um, Verse 13. And the question is, are we ungodly in our planning? James 4, 13 through 15 says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend, spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. So you can see the difference between uh, planning. Planning is not wrong. Planning is prudent. It's, it's wise to plan in our lives. But planning without any thought to God, uh, thought of God um, is sinful. Um, it, it reveals an ungodly attitude. And so uh, if we plan like this with, with no um, thought of the Lord or what, what he may do or how he may redirect, um, we're just really living like the world. That's that's how the world plans. And so, um, make plans. Yes, I mean, a lot of uh, people in this room are at different stages of, of training. Whether it's for, you know, uh, a medical career or career in ministry or uh, any any number of things. Planning planning to have children. Planning uh, for you know looking for another job. And so, that's. That's not sinful. To what is sinful is to do that without any thought of of the Lord or or what He would have us do. How about um, patterns of, of ungodliness in carrying out God's will? Um, 
Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I can read that for us, you guys. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. It says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So uh, God's will is, is not a mystery. He's revealed that to us in his word. But are we careful to dig out those truths and to um, conform our lives to them? Um, if we're not, um, then we do have an ungodly attitude towards God's will. We're not, we're not seeking it. Um, we're not um, spending time in the word to see um, what, the word, what the will of God is. How about um, in our prayer life? Um, how could we have an ungodly attitude in prayer? I want to hear from you guys. What, what do you think? Thinking about what the focus of our prayers is on, whether it's on the circumstances or whether it's on God over all of Yeah, that's good. I don't know if you guys heard that, but Philip said, you know, what are our prayers primarily focused on? Is it self-oriented or or is it Godward and having uh, an interest in God's kingdom extending by, by whatever means necessary? Um, I've heard it said, you know, if, if all your prayers were answered, would your life get a lot better in the here and now? Or would God's eternal kingdom benefit? So that's a good way to, to just kind of gauge, like, what, what am I praying for? Not that it's wrong to pray for needs uh, that you have. We've, God wants us to bring all of our needs before him, our physical needs. But if it stops there, um, it could, could be uh, tipping you off to just an ungodly attitude in prayer. Um, also thinking just in my own life, um, praying um, with faith that... God is able to do um, far more than, than I can you know, ask or think. Um, maybe praying for an unsaved loved one that you are, you know, you're 20 years into to praying for this person and you're beginning to think, well, you know, they, they just can never be saved. You know, it's just, and that is ungodly thinking. <laughs> There's no one beyond the, the reach of God's grace. And so, that should, should fuel in us uh, a godly attitude in prayer that um, while that person is still breathing, uh, God can extend grace to them and save them. So we keep, keep pleading with the Lord, um, even those prayers that get long or, or a long illness. I mean, that's, that's hard. It's hard to be in, in chronic pain or um, a disease that's, that's not going to get better, that's going to be lifelong. Um, those are are trials that are long, so don't grow weary in prayer, but have a godly attitude um, in prayer, not growing discouraged.
Are we ungodly in our work? I'm going to flip over a couple pages here to Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. How do we approach our work? (laughs) Like we're working for the Lord, or if somebody was to observe your um, actions at work alongside your unbelieving uh, co-worker, would they say, I, I don't see any difference. These guys are, they have the same attitudes, they, they complain about the same things, their, um, you know, their, their work ethic is the same. Um, that ought not to be. To have a godly attitude is, is to see work in the context of um, serving the Lord, um, submitting to our, our bosses, and um, working heartily, uh, knowing that it's for the Lord, um, so that should make should make a difference in in our work. How about in our private worship? Psalm forty-two, verses one and two say, "As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God." My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This was very, very convicting to me this week. Um, do I pursue private worship like that? Like a deer that's, that's thirsting. If, if that deer can't find water, it's going to die. The only resource for that deer is is the water brooks and so as the deer pants after that water brook am i um, exhibiting that kind of zeal for worship Um, and oftentimes i would say i'm ungodly in this in this respect Um, any other uh, comments on that how how we can be ungodly in private worship Feeling better about yourself for having done it mm. is something to check off the box. Sure. And it's that's really works righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not about a relationship at that point. It's about earning something. Yeah. 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 Come out of private worship with sinful pride. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a dichotomy that shouldn't shouldn't be there. Yeah. And Paul also wanting others to see you. Yeah. Doing that like. It, it, in, uh, in the sermon on you know in Matthew, yeah. it says we're to go into our closet and, yeah. and pray to God and not be seen by others for sure. So you're not posting it on Facebook? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the trend. I mean, I mean that's the trendy thing, Mark. That's what the young that's what the young kids are doing now. So. <laughs> no, I think it's okay to share. Like if you learn something. 
and you want to yeah. post that. Encouraging, and yeah. Encourage, yep. and it would, you know, not the same. Yeah. Look how, look how yeah. righteous I am. Yeah. Yeah, good, good thing to keep in mind. So we all have elements of of ungodliness remaining in our lives. I think we can see from from this diagnosis. But the question is, how ungodly am I? As we, as I said before, if somebody was to observe your life alongside your your moral yet unbelieving neighbor, would would they see a difference? A difference in my private life, a difference in my work life, my family life, my financial life. Um, my first reaction is is to get defensive, you know, well, nobody can see my heart, but what we believe about God, you know, what we really believe about God will impact how we live our lives. So then how how can we deal with the sin of ungodliness or to put it positively, how can I grow in godliness? And here I'm just going to just going to piggyback on on what Clay has been teaching on Sunday night, how we grow into maturity uh, in Christ. And um, you can use his notes from, I think it was was last week, um, on uh, renewing our minds, Ephesians 4.23. How do we renew our minds? Well, Clay gave us these steps just to go through identify the sin pattern so with something as broad based as ungodliness I would encourage you just to start with one area um, working as unto the Lord for instance so we identify that um, we have a sinful attitude towards work and we um Maybe that may be manifesting itself in um, laziness or uh, gossip towards the boss or unthankfulness. Um, it could could manifest in all these things. So we need to to capture our thoughts. So if ungodliness is the soil that other overt sins grow out of, we need to kind of get the excavator and and get down to the base level. So if you're uh, sinning by gossiping about the boss at the water cooler and having an attitude of unthankfulness, the thoughts may go like this. These conversations are not really a big deal. I'm just shooting the breeze with my coworker. After all, who does the boss think he is, lording his position over us all? I can't believe that I'm still making peanuts considering all that I do for this company. At least it's Friday and I have the weekend to look forward to. I guess I'll drag myself back in here on Monday and do it all over again. So those are the thoughts. That's what's going on. I think like Clay said, it's good to write those down, as ugly as it is, but getting down to the, the base thoughts that are, that are happening. So once you've captured your thoughts, examine the underlying beliefs. What are you believing in that moment? Well, I'm believing that no one hears what I'm saying, and this is a private conversation. My, do- my boss doesn't have any authority over me. I'd, in fact, I deserve much more than what I'm getting. And my time spent working at this company is a waste. I don't even care that I'm having these conversations when I should be working. see a lot of um, ungodly thinking. So then you, 
evaluate your thoughts with truth. What, are, what is true? What does the Bible say about these things? Well, the Bible says that God hears everything, sees everything, and knows even my thoughts. I live before his all-seeing eye. Psalm 139, 1-4. Moreover, all authority is instituted by God, and he placed my boss over me at this point in time by his sovereign will. Another truth is I deserve nothing but God's eternal wrath. But he has adopted me as his child through the work of Christ on my behalf, and now I have the privilege to serve him through my work. For everything I do is for his glory. My work even is an expression of worship to him. Faithfulness in my work will bring great eternal rewards from my Savior. That's biblical truth. So you've taken the underlying beliefs that are are lies, ungodly thinking, and you've replaced it with truth. Instill the truth in your heart. We talked about memorizing scripture so that it's at the ready uh, when these temptations come. You're tempted towards laziness or gossip or unthankfulness uh, about your job. So in that case, a good good passage to memorize would be what we just read, Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Review it before you go to work. Meditate on the truth throughout the workday, maybe when you're on break. Just if you have a a uh, index card in your pocket, bring it out and review it, review it on your phone. When you're tempted to gossip about your boss, bring to mind these truths. Recall the omnipresence of God. And when you fail, repent and renew your mind with truth. Just repeat, repeat the process. Does this sound like a lot of hard work? Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, listen as I read First uh, Timothy 4. 7b through 8. That's what Paul told Timothy. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If I was to uh, plan to run a marathon, which I'm not, (laughs) there would be a lot of discipline required to get up to the point where I could actually run a marathon. And people put in that kind of work all the time. They, They discipline themselves, what they eat, how they spend their time, how many miles they put on day after day after day after day leading up to uh, the event. How much more should we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness? Um, We talked about dependent responsibility. This is kind of the responsibility side of it. Dependent on the Holy Spirit. Looking to the gospel of Christ as our hope. um, And yet, um, taking responsibility to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Um, And Paul, he contrasts those two things. The physical exercise of running a marathon, he says, there's a little, there's a little profit there. Uh, it's not um, a lot when compared to the, the profitable um, nature of, of godliness. Um, less in the, in the context of, of time. It's, it's only good for a short time. 
and it's only profitable to the to physical body. But godliness profits us for eternity and um, holds promise for this this life and the life to come. Well, we have two minutes to cover on thankfulness, but <laughs> I was uh, I was planning to, like I said, spend most of my time on on godliness. Um, Tim has already uh, served us well uh, by teaching us on the topic of of thankfulness. First uh, Thessalonians five eighteen: In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I'm not going to rehash. Uh, Everything that, that Tim taught, um, Bridges is very much aligned with, I mean, it's, it's biblical truth. So when we talk about thankfulness, it's, it's going to be um, traveling down those, those well-worn paths, which we need, you know, drilled into us. Um, but uh, just, just end it by asking a question, um, reflecting on, on the past weeks that we've uh, talked about unthankfulness um, or uh, positively uh, the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. Um, how has the Lord used the teaching of the past weeks to help you cultivate a heart of thanksgiving? Does anybody want to just give a testimony to how the Lord has been doing that in your life? Yes. Joby. Through some close conversation I had with after some of these conversations and blessings and thanksgiving that you know, I wondered, why in the world don't I have air conditioning in my car? And Chuck said, well, you'd be thankful you have a car for one thing. And I thought on that, and I said, well, it does force me to roll down the window when it's hot out. Uh, so I can't hear music, I can't play music. And I thought about it, it's, well, God's drowning out the noise so that I can spend my 30-minute commute in prayer. Yeah. Starting to just elicit thankfulness that I have a car, I have a job, I, I have enough money to pay for the gas in the car, that list, recognizing the opportunity to pray. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that that list of, of things to be thankful for is, is just a helpful resource. I've, it's just benefited me to go to go through that, thinking of things I don't normally think of. You can tell it was written by a guy who lived in Africa for a time because it mentions carjackings. So I was like, <laughs> I'd never thought about that before. Like, hey, uh, yeah, I made it home from the grocery store and somebody didn't try to carjack me. Uh, one of my neighbors uh, from the townhome I used to live in, my son was, was telling me, hey, did you know his, his car got broken into? And that's shocking in our, in our culture in, in America. It's... Yeah, what a what a, a reason for Thanksgiving that um, we we live in a, a country where the rule of law is still, uh, for the most part, honored, and um, to hear somebody's car being broken in is kind of a rare occurrence in in America. So that's that's not not true in most of the world. And so, yeah, I just, just found that list to be to be helpful. Anyone else? Right before we end, yes. I don't know if you all struggle with this, but whenever I confront sin in my life, it's often a point of losing sight of the gospel and its transforming power and the sanctifying process that the Holy Spirit brings us through in our day-to-day lives. 
Um, so for me, in the past few weeks, like almost every time I'm in church or small group, we're talking about how we can see our sin, mm-hmm. but not be in despair of it, mm-hmm. and to put our trust and identity in what the Lord is doing in our lives. Um, so that for me lately has really given me more of a thankful heart yeah. to where I can, it's helped me to confront my sin without despair mm. or the emotions that come with it. We can continue to fight the battle against the sin in our hearts by the Lord's power. Yeah, mm-hmm. praise God. One more? I was just going to say, I think it's helped me be more aware of all that he has yeah. given to me and given to us. And, and I think as I'm learning and growing, then naturally I'm, I'm able to sort of help explain it to our children yeah. and help them to kind of look and see where they can be thankful and, and kind of working through, you know, maybe areas that they're not so grateful and that I'm like, that I come back to me and I think, wow, I've been ungrateful for things too. And it's sort of just, it's this... Um, Kind of a, in a good way, a cascading effect yeah. of, of seeing that um, the thankfulness that can grow in the family. Amen. It's a good word. All right. Well, let's uh, close in prayer, and I'll dismiss you guys. Lord, we're thankful for uh, this time to discuss these biblical truths. Lord, um, you bring uh, conviction uh, through your word. As the Spirit applies that to our lives, Lord, um, just uh, speaking of myself, just just seeing where my my thoughts have been ungodly, and Lord, I thank you for uh, the gospel um, that we can repent and and come back to um, just a knowledge of the truth, Lord. Just pray that we would be uh, meditating on the truth, and um, as we uncover these. Um, subtle sins that we may have let creep in, uh, Lord, that we would be uh, just a repenting people, um, that you would be just growing us in godliness, uh, Lord, that we would um, live in light of uh, the kingdom to come and uh, just pour ourselves out for um, your church here on earth uh, that you're continuing to build. And uh, just thank you for this class and uh, the encouragement they've been to me. And I pray that you would um, just go with us today, uh, just bring these truths back to mind, um, that we would be changed by it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.